Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. Megan Bunting is back from Brantford, Connecticut. She is such a wonderful dog trainer and a really good dog splainer to people, which I love about her. Megan, thank you for coming back to talk about the issue of people who cannot or do not physically fence their property and think they can rely on an electric collar that delivers a shock to keep the dog in the property. It's never been something that I have thought made any logical sense to how a dog reacts and thinks. I said it in the dog Bible, God knows how many years ago. And Mm. there's a company with the perfect name, Invisible Fence, but we're really talking about a category because many other companies have come up with boundaries that are delineated by buried electric wiring and the dog has to always have the collar on. And when he gets within X inches or feet of that Mm. hidden wire, they get a shock. And in theory, it's supposed to keep them from leaving the property, even if there's a deer, a flock of wild geese, another dog, Mm. the mailman, and it is uh, lots of failures. So can you talk about this being a pet peeve of yours as a dog trainer who has to try and help people make the best possible environment for their dogs? Oh, well, thank you for having me back. Um, I could vent about electric fences and electric boundaries for hours. Um, my main main gripe with them is exactly what you said, is that there are a lot of failures. Um, and, you know, the, the classic line that people say about them is not only, uh, you know, does it, it keeps your dog contained, but you can't go around and put a, an electric That's collar right. on the every, others. Other dog, yeah. every other squirrel 
people and every mm-hmm. skunk in the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Um, so it, it doesn't provide the same safety that a fence would while at the same time making your dog very confused and potentially aggressive to things outside the fence. That's a really interesting point. So before we get to that, which is almost a a more subtle, that's like a second order of business, you got some some technical problems. So one technical problem is that for a lot of thousands of dollars, somebody comes and theoretically you could do it yourself from some kit you buy Mm -hmm. at Home Depot. You dig a trench around your property and where you think a fence could go to protect uh, the dog or the the community or the neighborhood from your dog going outside that line in the sand that you have drawn. But that wire can short circuit or break or be nibbled on underground by a gopher or a mole or somebody. So Mm -hmm. it no longer has a connection and you don't know that. The battery on the, the necklace that your dog wears can also wear down or run out. Right. So I understand that there is maybe some sort of a portal you're supposed to sit it in when the dog's inside, but maybe that doesn't always make the connection. So he's not going to hear the music or the sound that tells him you're getting close, and he's not going to get the fairly ferocious zap. Now, right. a third problem, so those are technical problems with the the setup. The other thing is, and, and I'd like you to speak to this because as a force-free, non-aversive trainer of reactive and anxious dogs if you right. put this on a dog who in the in the dog word we call them a soft dog not a hard yeah. drive dog a gentle dog maybe a little shy and retiring dog and they get near that fence and they get that jolt of electricity does that yep. mess with their head generally like oh boy going outside is not for me exactly and i mean the uh, the classic example, yet yes to soft dogs, but, you know, your, your submissive peers, your, you know, quake from, from a sound three, three houses yes, over. Yes. Those, you know, they, a hard zap for them is, is a life, can be a life changing event that, mm-hmm. that one time, you know, they get zapped and then they go, oh my gosh, everything outside hurts. That, yes. that zap happened and it was such, such a big event in their life and made such a memory because, you know, as mammals, we're hardwired to avoid pain and suffering because it right. could lead to death. And learn from it. They, right. And learn from it to avoid it in the future. They go outside is super scary. And some dogs can generalize it to leaving leaving my front door or leaving the house at all is terrifying. So you so don't you have always, that's, that's, where, that's something that had occurred to me when we started to talk about it, because I know it's a pet peeve of yours, and it's something I haven't really brought up much, other than to say that I've known forever that it, it didn't make sense also, because the friendly neighborhood dog, friendly in quotation marks, because your dog doesn't know how friendly they are, can trot right over to your dog, right onto your property, mm-hmm. thereby instigating some sort of territorial reaction and then trot right out again and your dog trying to chase them out in fun Mm. or in anger, anger not being the correct word, I'm just grabbing a word, can't go out because they're going to get completely zapped or they go through the zapping. Mm. I've heard many things about Labradors um, and some Rotties and maybe other breeds having a very high pain threshold bred into them. So the pain... Yeah, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's worth it to chase that other dog, chase the mailman, chase the squirrel, or just have freedom generally. It's the big world out there, and I don't have a physical, visual barrier to tell me this is my spot. The rest of it isn't. 
when you right. talk about those those gentle dogs, it doesn't have to be your chihuahua who can be the most ferocious of dogs. And I say that right. lovingly. It can be a big, beautiful English mastiff. There it are can, dogs it, who are soft. It it has nothing to do with their size, right? No, it and it's even you know we have the dog that that runs and hides. What about the dog who now you're? It's it's the whole. It's the main issue with using aversives in general that you're now outsourcing to just a device. You're not even controlling it. Right. It's just they get they get near it, and you're causing two main things. One is you're pairing a painful stimulus with whatever the dog is experiencing right then. So even if it's a golden retriever running up to meet the mailman and maybe doesn't quite know where the boundary is and gets zapped every time, now you're saying when the mailman comes or when that jogger goes by or yes. when a dog goes yes. by, you're you're getting you're getting a painful association with it. So you can absolutely, because it's training your dog for you, train your dog to be aggressive with an wow. electric fence. How about that? Yeah. That is right? really mind boggling. Train them to be aggressive, train them to be wary, train them to be right. unsociable. And the, the second part of the aversive is that it's not necessarily that they have a higher pain tolerance. It's that using aversives, the, the actual stimulus has to be greater than the reward yes. that you're trying to yes. train against. So for dogs that go through it, it's not that they don't feel it as much. They absolutely feel it the same amount. But the reward of chasing away that Got intruder it. for Got breeds it. is more rewarding for them. Mm-hmm. That so makes a lot of sense. What do you do when you've cranked it up past 100 and they're still going, no, this is my job? Right. Right. And then you think, oh, this fence didn't work. No, it's right. not a fence, people. It's not, it's not a nope. fence. See, it, this is an idea. Imagine if yeah. you had a human child and even you have those little white flags in the beginning. This was to show the dog who's like, right. white flag? What does that mean? Are we playing golf? Right. It's like, who says that a white flag is some sort of really useful <laughs> indicator to a dog? Stay away from the white flags. And you had a human child that you're trying to teach. Be very confusing. And theoretically, children are, I don't know, the human brain maybe is bigger and better than a dog brain. That's all up for debate. Depends on the person. Depends on the dog. But yes. it's not a clear message that you're giving. And what if, what if what you're doing to the dog is frustrating them? Hour in, hour out, day in, day out. This frustration, okay, they get it. They don't want that pain. It makes the noise. Mm-hmm. I can't go past it. But damn, I really would like right. to chase that car. Wouldn't it be great to go after that cute little duck or dog over there or the cat heavens to betsy what dog doesn't really love to chase a cat it's so fun the way they Mm -hmm. run is just fabulous you know as a kind of to to light up your prey drive and the dog is in this constant state of frustration so you come home or Mm -hmm. the cat or the kid or another dog comes into the yard from your own house Mm -hmm. from its own household I don't know what you think about redirected aggression, but that dog has so much <laughs> pent-up frustration. That child that lives in the household with the dog, I'm, I'm making up this scenario, but I'd like to know what you think, startles the dog, comes up from behind mm-hmm. and goes, yay, Benny. And Benny is so wound tight, so frustrated from how many hours and days of not being able to do what Benny's mind wants it to do. Does Benny turn on the kid or certainly not act his normal self? It's possible, right? Absolutely. And I mean, that's, I have heard of that happening where not even that, 
the you know the dog was startled somebody come came up behind and the dog was close enough and you know got zapped right then and what were they associating it with the person who walked up to that yes so then yeah absolutely and they're primed for pain and any kind of aversive that causes pain, fear, or intimidation is going to increase that stress level. So if you have a dog that has a constantly higher stress level and over time they get desensitized and they're just kind of always in this low grade panic moment, it's very easy to tip them over the edge and cause them to just react emotionally in, in a way that they want to, stop the pain that's happening. It's it's a perfect storm of a way to to create a problem where there wasn't one before. I mean, all of these reasons really mm. are, are pretty convincing between my thoughts about it, your <laughs> knowledge about it, your experience about it. I've never used one, so I, I can't tell the story about my dog, but there, there was this dog, Becca, of a friend of mine, and we uh, she also had a house in, in, in Ridgefield, and I was wherever I was in East Hampton. We went to horse shows together, and her dog, Becca, came to the horse shows. And they had a nice property. And if you walked out mm-hmm. their driveway, there was lots of woods that were, like, communal. Anyone could go on them, and there were kind of paths in them. Becca would not go through the the kind of the pillars of the driveway. And with these mm-hmm. electric or underground fences, they always, or the, as I understand it, they often use one place that's the place the dog could go through in theory you teach right. the dog this little this little 6 foot area it, right. gonna, we can walk through here trust me becca wouldn't do it yeah becca in was theory, a, right. a 80 pound lab by the time she was full grown you had to drive her off her own mm-hmm. property and you know yeah. she was a playful charming let's go for it could run hours but she didn't trust it anymore so what kind of as you say about low level of stress what is that feeling like all the time? And by the right. way, she didn't have the collar on. People say, well, right. you know, it's great. I put the collar on and they know when the collar's on, they can get zapped. And if they don't have the collar mm-hmm. on, they don't make that association. I mean, some, not all, not some all. Do. Some do. Yeah. I mean, and I, for me, like that just, that breaks my heart to hear those kinds of stories. Like, yeah, the dog's, I, I spend a lot of time teaching dogs about the physics of the world. <laughs> uh, like, you know, the classic example of like, oh, my dog's been hit by sticks before when you pick up a broomstick. And they literally just go, I had no idea that your arm is now 10 feet long. I don't know how that happened. Wow, it's just the way that's that, cool. Yeah, the dog cognition doesn't quite grasp the inanimate object world as well as humans do. Um, and to teach them that, some part of their environment can just sting them. Yeah. I like, it's just, it runs, it just, it, it hurts me to hear about it. And I understand why people do it because putting up in a fence, especially on a larger property, you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars, right? Like the, but it's the, expensive. I, I mean, it depends on yeah. what kind of fence. I mean, I've always been able to use plastic deer fencing. I was also, just going to say, the, the metal deer fencing as well, you know. Uh, Very uh, expensive. Uh, no, the the metal the um, the metal grid fencing you can install for. I have about a third of an acre covered on you know under a thousand dollars. Oh wow! I'm it. amazed. Yeah, you can do it complete your completely yourself, and then upgrade if you want to in the future. But I, I mean, that's in the comparable range as putting an electric fence that then has all those failure points that you can't see. 
right? It's underground. The battery. Exactly. You know, and you don't know what's going day. on. Well, I'm right. remembering but, that. So there's a company in Connecticut, as it turns out, I think they're Silicon, they call Benner's Gardens, and they sell mm-hmm. all the equipment for plat. They sell also the metal, but I thought the metal, A, it's not pretty, and B, mm-hmm. it's much right. harder to put in. You need professionals. And C, it's more expensive than the plastic, and they have a couple mm-hmm. of different grades of it. But my sister, who lives in Easton, Connecticut, and has two small Brussels griffins running into the street, charming. I said, no, that's, you really have to put up a physical barrier. So she was, you can actually attach it yourself with little brads to trees, buy some of the black posts. Black is the invisible color, literally not visible to the human eye. So you can put it up. And when I used to put it up, I would get the eight foot or nine foot and then do a skirt on the inside of my property, not have it just meet the ground, but be like a, a foot or two because I had a dog that dug under it. So if it's right. on the ground and it's a skirt on the inside, they can't dig. You cannot dig through it. Now, if you have a dog who can bite his way out of plastic fencing <laughs> and right. and it depends on the individual. I mean, exactly. I have foxes who bite and make and make nice little doorways big enough for a fox, and yet a 92-pound Weimaraner can fit through the hole. She showed me that right in front of me. She's not trying to run away, but something smells no. good on the other side. I'm like, wow, you can fit through a hole that small. That's amazing. But it, the fox made the door. You know, it sort of and looks that's... like Alice in Wonderland. So there are other options, and I guess people, some people live in communities where they're not allowed to have physical fencing. You know, there's some sort yeah. of community rules. I mean, if you live in those places, you got to watch out what kind of garbage can you have and when you take it in and out. So you're already living in – you also are living in a stressful environment where you don't have right. freedom on your own property to do what you want. Megan, yeah. we've we've run low on time, but I just want to say I think it's really important that people understand pretty much there's no condition under which we'd say, yeah, okay, you can do it. It makes sense for you because we've just told everybody all the reasons it makes sense. No good sense. Fair to say? I mean, it's it's the same thing I run into with any kind of really harsh method is that exhaust everything else first. You yeah. know, like long yeah. line, steer fencing, even foldable, portable fencing. If you can't put up permanent, it's it. the convenience does not outweigh what could go wrong. And, you know, if you're going to be dealing with problems that last years over having to put away a fence or put away a long line after playing with your dog in the yard. There's exactly just so many alternatives. Well said, and we hope that you choose them. Thanks again, Megan Bunting, for being here. In Brantford, Connecticut, you can find her as a dog trainer only if you know somebody who knows her. It's all word of mouth. So this is the way the world goes around. Or... If you want to know, write to me at Tracy at TracyHodgsterPets.com. I will give you a way to get in touch with her. Thanks again, Megan. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. 
The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.